Do you know that certain peptides can benefit those with Graves' disease and Hashimoto's? If you want to learn more about how peptides can help with thyroid autoimmunity and other chronic conditions, then you'll want to check out the brand new Peptide Summit hosted by Dr. Jenny Flagar. In fact, peptides play a huge role in helping Dr. Jenny overcome her Hashimoto's condition. To register for the free Peptide Summit, visit SayMyThyroid.com forward slash peptides. Hey, this is Dr. Eric. And in this Q&A episode, I am going to answer the question, can too much or too little iron affect thyroid health? So iron is one of the most commonly deficient minerals I see, which is why I recommend an iron panel to just about all my patients. And it's surprising that many medical doctors don't recommend an iron panel to their patients. Some will just look at iron in the blood, like just serum iron. Some will recommend ferritin. But you really want to look at the different markers of an iron panel. So that includes serum iron, ferritin, which looks at the iron stores, as well as iron saturation and TIBC, which is total iron binding capacity. And it's also important to mention that you could have anemia without having an iron deficiency. So you might have heard of iron deficiency anemia, and you could see if you have anemia by doing what's called the CBC, a complete blood count, and anemia that results when the body doesn't produce enough red blood cells or hemoglobin. And, you know, the good news, even though most doctors don't look at a full iron panel, most doctors will routinely order a complete blood count. And this looks at the red blood cells, hemoglobin, hematocrit, You know, as I mentioned, you could have anemia without having an iron deficiency. And also the opposite is true. You could have an iron deficiency without having anemia. So if your doctor does a complete blood count of CBC, and if red blood cells, hemoglobin, hematocrit all look great, that does not rule out an iron deficiency, which is yet another reason why I recommend an iron panel for most of my patients. So If someone has a normal iron panel, let's say, but on a CBC, on a complete blood count, they have depressed red blood cells, hemoglobin, and or hematocrit, then other potential causes of the anemia should be investigated. So again, iron panel, let's say, you know, ferritin, serum iron, TIBC, iron saturation are all within optimal levels. So we can't pay attention to the lab range if they're on the lower side. That definitely could be problematic. But if they're all within an optimal range, yet someone has anemia, then it's not due to iron deficiency. But there are other types of anemia. But if someone does have an iron deficiency, regardless of whether or not they have anemia, then the cause of the iron deficiency should be addressed. And as far as symptoms go, there are numerous symptoms associated with an iron deficiency, with some of the more common signs and symptoms, including fatigue, weakness. Um, Sometimes pale skin, hair loss is common. Some people experience dizziness, sometimes shortness of breath and chest pain. So as far as common causes of an iron deficiency, three main causes, low dietary intake of iron, blood loss, for example, due to menstruation, but of course you could lose blood in other ways, and then also iron malabsorption. So with diet, I do need to say that Iron is found in two different forms. We have heme iron, which is found in foods such as meat, poultry, and fish. And this is much more absorbable than non-heme iron, which is found in plant-based foods. 
And it's also important to mention that vitamin C and hydrochloric acid help to increase the absorption of iron. So if someone has low stomach acid or low vitamin C levels, this can have a negative effect on iron absorption. But there could be other factors that affect absorption, including gut infections, having inflammatory bowel disease, so Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis. You know, that can lead to an iron malabsorption issues, celiac disease, in some cases SIBO, which is small intestinal bacteria overgrowth. And then there's also iron toxicity, which could be a problem if someone takes iron supplements and they don't need supplementation, or maybe they take too much iron in a form of supplementation using cast iron pans, genetic reasons, hemochromatosis is a genetic condition. And then in some cases, I've seen hyperthyroidism possibly lead to iron overload. So if someone has a history of normal iron levels, and then they have hyperthyroidism and they have elevated iron markers, it may be related to the hyperthyroidism. Again, not always. And it sometimes can be challenging to know if it's due to hyperthyroidism or something else. And keep in mind, not everybody experiences symptoms when they have iron overload. I mean, some people might experience symptoms such as vomiting, diarrhea, abdominal pain, but not everybody. I mean, most of the people I have worked with who have high iron levels, like well above the lab reference range that don't experience symptoms. They didn't know and wouldn't have known if they didn't do an iron panel. But either way, it's important to get the iron levels down as too much iron can cause oxidative stress. And this is why you never want to supplement with iron unless you have confirmed that you have an iron deficiency through blood testing. And so I will add that according to the research, there is a possible link between genetic hemochromatosis and Hashimoto's. I haven't seen that relationship in the literature with Graves' disease. So too much iron, in this case, due to genetic factors, can be a potential trigger or at least a contributing factor. But what we need to keep in mind is excess iron causes an increase in oxidative stress and excessive oxidative stress is a factor in different types of autoimmune conditions. And this includes both Hashimoto's and Graves' disease. So if someone has too much iron, this could be a factor. Maybe it wasn't the main trigger, but maybe it's contributing to the autoimmune process and it will be difficult to get rid of the oxidative stress if someone has high iron levels. So definitely want to do things to address an iron overload problem. And then as far as getting back to an iron deficiency, how this could play a role in thyroid health. So iron deficiency impairs thyroid hormone synthesis by reducing the activity of thyroid peroxidase, which is an enzyme that's heme dependent. It's dependent on iron. And so a severe iron deficiency can be a factor. So as an example, let's say someone with Hashimoto's, they have depressed thyroid hormone levels, and they also have iron deficiency anemia. Without question, Hashimoto's, you're going to get the damage to the thyroid gland by the immune system. And this might be the primary reason for the low thyroid hormone levels in this situation. However, it's also possible that the low iron levels are a factor as well. And then also need to mention iron plays a role in phase one detoxification of the liver. We have what's called cytochrome P450 enzymes, which are produced by the liver, also found in the kidney, small intestine, the lung, adrenals, as well as other tissues. And so these CYP450 enzymes are also heme-dependent, which again, they require iron to function properly. 
And I bring this up because environmental toxins are one of the potential triggers of both Graves' disease and Hashimoto's, as well as other autoimmune conditions. So if someone has an iron deficiency, this could have a negative effect on phase one detoxification, which causes a buildup of reactive intermediates. And this in turn causes an increase in oxidative stress that I mentioned earlier. And this once again could be a factor in the development of autoimmune conditions such as Graves' disease and Hashimoto's. So again, when it comes to the components of an iron panel, you want to test serum iron, ferritin, iron saturation, and TIBC, which is total iron binding capacity. And most medical doctors will consider someone to be iron deficient if they fall outside of the lab reference range. But you also need to pay attention to the optimal reference range, as I mentioned earlier. So for example, if some labs will have for ferritin, the lower end of the range will be 15 nanograms per milliliter. But if someone has a ferritin of 20 or 25, that's still really low. Same thing with iron saturation. Iron saturation, some labs will be 15% or 18%. But if someone has an iron saturation of, let's say, 20%, that will be within the lab reference range of most labs, but still kind of on the lower side. So you definitely want these numbers to be within optimal reference ranges. And it's also important to mention that ferritin can increase due to inflammation, which is why you never want to test for ferritin alone, which some medical doctors do. They'll run a ferritin and it might look good and maybe it's fine, but maybe it's looking good because of inflammation. Now, usually if someone has inflammation that's affecting ferritin, it'll be elevated. So if someone has like ferritin of 70, then it's probably okay. It's probably not due to inflammation. If someone has a ferritin of 150 or 200, then that very well might be due to inflammation. Again, it could be due to iron overload as well, but that's why you want to look at serum iron, iron saturation, and TIBC. You want to look at all four of those really to conclude if someone has an iron deficiency or an iron overload. So that is my response to the question, can too much or too little iron affect thyroid health? So yeah, without question, too much Iron, I mentioned, can cause oxidative stress, which could be a factor with different types of autoimmune conditions, including Graves' and Hashimoto's. And I also mentioned how too little iron could be a factor because it's important when it comes to thyroid peroxidase, which is heme-dependent, and also those cytochrome P450 enzymes that are involved in detoxification. So I hope you found this Q&A episode to be valuable, and I look forward to catching you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Save My Thyroid podcast. If you haven't done so already, make sure you hit subscribe to stay up to date on the latest thyroid health-related topics. And to get your free thyroid and immune health restoration action points checklist, visit SaveMyThyroidChecklist.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. I want to let you know about a product called Hepatomune Supreme, which is a unique supplement that has a rare combination of N-acetylcysteine, also known as NAC, milk thistle, and schisandra to support the liver. And it also has a few mushrooms that can help support the immune system, including cordyceps, which has both immune modulating and adaptogenic properties and is great for those with Graves' disease and Hashimoto's. To learn more about Hepatomune Supreme, visit SaveMyThyroid.com forward slash liver support.